Hello, I'm Mallory Rubin. And I'm Van Lathan. Check out the Ringerverse podcast from The Ringer for all things superhero movies, nerd culture, and fandom entertainment. We have instant reviews and fun takes on all the latest news and more available now on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Are you recording now? Recording now? There we go. Already. Listen. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast and Ringer SC. I'm Ms. Sokwonga. I'm Ryan Hunt. Ryan, how are you doing? I am all right, thanks, man. How are you? Very well indeed. Protecting my energy on this cold, wet day. Yeah, where the hell, man? Where's, where's the sun gone? Certainly not where here. Where's the sun gone? You have a good weekend? Very good indeed. Very quiet one. Just watched a lot of football and ate a lot of Ugandan food. Wow. Whose recipes I shall not disclose. Someone's at home. <laughs> Have you watched Moon Knight yet? I have. I loved it. I enjoyed it. It was a little bit confusing initially. And also, I'm not sure what was more confusing, initially trying to figure out what was real and what wasn't, or Oscar Isaac's English accent. See, that's one of my favourite things about it. Oh, because jog, it's... I'm going to jog on. Later, skaters. All right, then. All I, was right, like, then. I, was like, I was like, this isn't written by an English person. Dick Van Dyke. Actually, no, here's the genius of it. The genius of Oscar Isaac's like, OTT Cockney accent is that it places the series firmly in the absurd. So you're ready yeah. for anything. That is the dramatic technique that it works really well. It can, do you think that's, that, do yeah. you think that's a deliberate thing? Like absolutely reduce all expectations. It's like Arsenal losing to Brentford on the opening day of the season. No, <laughs> <laughs> bring the expectation level to zero. Right. And then build. I think there's an inherent comedy in it. I think, I think it's, yeah, I, I think, think it's so. deadpan yeah. comedy. You know, the other thing I mentioned as well, because there's a, there's a moment where he goes into Tottenham court, court there's a thing they do in American series where they go into tube stations in the UK and they're obviously not those tube stations. Oh yeah. And they do it with Tottenham Court Road and I'm like, this is obviously a massive like, this is a massive deadpan joke. Someone is having so much fun. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I'm really, really enjoying this series. Yeah. Nice. Uh, obviously, if you want to hear some in-depth chat about Moon Knight. From actual experts. Go and listen to yeah, Ringerverse. Yeah, the Midnight Boys on Ringer on the Ringerverse podcast. Search for it on Spotify. It's amazing. Good lads. Got to try and barge on there. No, I've got to try and get my way back. I, I've fallen off the you radar. Do, See, I'm not nerdy enough to get on that shit. Oh please! Just, just like, a man on the F1 podcast twice. <laughs> don't don't hide. Twice. Twice. Yeah, well, that's not cool, nerdy, is it? No. Also, nerds aren't cool. Nerds aren't cool. I tell you what, 
They're having a moment. F1. Nerds are having F- a moment, but nerds are not cool. F1 reply, guys. Oof. They are. Serious. <laughs> they are faster out of the blocks than F1 cars at the start of the grid, I tell you. Good grief. <laughs> <laughs> start of 2022, Ryan, I just want a quiet life. Ryan in March, to do, oh, I'll do two F1 podcasts with the biggest yeah, reply, ret- guys. In uh, I'm, I'm retiring. <laughs> Bad enough. I've just, the things I've seen, Musa, you wouldn't believe. <laughs> Anyway, let's do some admin quick. We hope everyone's staying safe and well. We hope you're getting vaccinated if you can. Getting that boost if you can. Ramadan Mubarak, to yes. anyone who's observing this month. Louis van Gaal was on Dutch TV, revealed he's suffering from prostate cancer. So mm. get well soon, Louis. We hope you come through that all good. Mm. number of people who have been, who are very close to me have had prostate cancer over the last few years and um, luckily they all came through. through they all came through, so fingers crossed for Louis as well. Mm, absolutely. Uh, Wrighty's house this week will just be Ian and myself. We're going to be talking about Palace against Arsenal and we're going to give a few bunches, a couple of bunches of flowers out. Uh, one of them will probably be for Chloe Kelly who made her return this weekend and also Calvin Phillips. So we'll save the Super League stuff for, I'll mention that on Wrighty's house when we let me do the Chloe Kelly list. My favourite city stuff. player. My favourite city player. Um, she's back. Mm. All right, so today we're going to touch on a couple of Premier League games and we'll touch on a couple of other games around Europe, some goals, some derbies. So let's get into it after this. Let's do it. All right, man, should we begin in the Premier League? Let's do it. Start there. We need to talk about Brentford. We have to. I think Thomas Frank said this was their biggest result of the season and it is hard to argue with that. Going to the home of the European and world champions and coming away from there with a 4-1 four, four win after being a goal down. That has been an impressive result any time in the last 20 years. Yeah, it, it has. It really has. Antonio Rudiger opened the scoring for Chelsea and what it said on, it said on Match of the Day that this was Chelsea's first long-range goal in the Premier League since like 2007 or something. What? No. Uh, his celebration was incredible, by the way. <laughs> that man is having the most fun in the Premier League. And then he's going to bounce. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, no, but the fact he scored, it's an astonishing goal, but the fact he scored it said a lot about the type of shot making Chelsea were reduced to by the quality of what Brentford were doing. Mm. You know, this is the thing about the Brentford, we'll talk about Christian Eriksen in a moment, but this was a team that absolutely needed a fresh injection of something because yeah. they had the kind of the Sheffield United problem, extremely well organised and so good at the plan A, that the plan A was a thing that you know, could keep them up. But then obviously as time went on and people worked out what they were doing and crucially, I think squad size and fatigue came in. I, I don't want to say it's not entirely fair to say that Brentford were worked out, but more that, you know, fatigue kicking in, the style of play the players, high energy. And the signing of Christian Eriksen coming along at a point where it was perfect for both club and player because it gives them that different Absolutely. option. It's, it's one of those ones that we talk so often about fit and the timing of his intervention. It then allows Brentford to play with a change of tempo and mm. to release different types of attackers. It takes the playmaking burden off certain players, it takes the goal scoring burden off certain players because he's now an extra finisher. That's the thing. So knowing now that he can arrive in the box allows Ivan Tony to pull wide and showcase other parts of his game. So it's just a win-win for everybody. Really, really beautiful performance from Brentford, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think you saw in this game all the reasons why they signed Christian Eriksen. Yeah. 
there was that pass he had in the first half where he just drops in deep and he kind of hits it on the half volley left foot God. into the right hand channel yes and it's just the most perfectly weighted pass it looks so easy that's what I love about Christian Eriksen where he drops into these little pockets and he executes passes that look so simple but actually technically they're really really hard to do and he just knits uh, this is really this is probably going to be quite basic analysis of Christian Eriksen because no, no, go a for, lot go. of it is so tied up in the emotional aspect of what he's been through over the, the last football, year though, yeah, what he's football. come through but also he is it, it, it's not like the fact that he is just back on a football pitch he's back on a football pitch and completely knitting together a side that needed a player exactly it's incredible. like him. Can I, just, I can't emphasize how amazing this is. You have in a 3-5-2, right? So you have the defensive solidity. You have the counter-punching. You have Brentford's ability to basically like lock off that, that defense, like chain mail, right? You're reducing Chelsea to playing in these horrible, useless pockets. They can't build up passing tempo because there's barriers everywhere. And you've got Ericsson as the out ball. That's mm. unbelievable. That's the best quality outball you have at that level of football. And this is not disrespectful to Brentford. What I'm saying is this player is capable. His quality of pass, his ability to switch play, to hit the ball through the gap before it closes or sometimes before it opens, that is, he is a truly elite passer. And the chemistry around him, you know, you mentioned that pass, the crossfield pass. And I laughed when you made that reference because I thought to myself, that's the kind of pass that his own teammates look at in awe and go, oh my God, we've got Christian Eriksen. You know, there's a, yeah. <laughs> that is, that's you'll the level. You'll realise that you've got Christian Eriksen on your football team and you're like, holy shit. Right. We upgraded. If you'd said to Brentford at the start of the season, you're going to upgrade with a fully fit Christian Eriksen, they would have been like, oh my God. Like imagine saying that to them straight after the Arsenal win. They'd have been like, mm. oh my God, we're going to finish, we're going to finish top eight. So shouts to them. What I love about um, Christian Eriksen as well, he's liberated the other players. So like Janel, for example, like, scores I think twice he'd scored twice previous in the previous 24 games but now Good goals as well yeah allowing him to make the runs allowing him to be braver more progressive and a different type of game for Brentford because we've said this so often before when a team stays up in the Premier League they need to evolve mm. and the evolution's happening they now get a full summer to train with Ericsson in the squad hopefully if he it can keep him on for a while yeah definitely I think the thing that was really interesting about this game is that Brentford after really making teams work for it at the beginning of the season mm. Slipped into this kind of run of form where teams didn't have to work quite as hard. And they, sh they had a bit of a run of games where they shipped quite a few goals. I think it was like Southampton. I mean, admittedly good sides. I think it was Southampton, Liverpool mm. and United in a run where they shipped 4-3-3. and three. But then they, they conceded 4 to Everton in that FA Cup game as well. And you were looking at Brentford being like, mm, are they, are they going to be okay? Obviously, that was an FA Cup game, but in the Premier League. But in their last four games, they've won three and lost 2-1 narrowly to Brentford, uh, to Leicester, sorry. Mm. But before that, they lost 2-0 at home to Newcastle. They were narrowly beaten by Arsenal 2-1 at the Emirates, although Arsenal, I think, should have put that game way outside. You know, they only lost, they only lost to City 2-0 and they drew 0-0 with Palace. Mm. So they've been, they've almost become a little bit more, like how Ericsson has liberated them in an attacking sense, in a creative sense, it's almost kind of given them a little bit more confidence defensively because they know that they will have opportunities to beat teams. They don't have to work quite as hard for chance creation anymore. Mm. Whereas before they were having to work super, super, super hard for chance and, creation. Yes. And you saw it in this game where they just like, the possession breakdown, I think they had like 29% or something with the yeah. ball. 
against a Chelsea side that can really, really hurt teams. As we know, they've got a huge, a huge array of attacking talent. Mm. That is such a football sentence, isn't it? A huge array of attacking talent. Yeah. And they just absorbed and like hit them in, hit them on the break continuously. There was that one or two times where they were pending on their own box and then all of a sudden they were, they were charging down on Chelsea's box. The speed of the transition was lightning quick. You know who'd love playing this team? Bruno Fernandes. Like, oh, he'd love because it. Because it. what it is, this is actually very much a Leicester type team as well. If you look, it's mm. funny, even the breakdown of it, you look at what the front two did for Leicester. You had Vardy and Okazaki. Here you've got Ibiomo and Tony. So one finisher and one extreme hard worker who can also like mm. link up, play, finish. Then you have that quick release passing from the, uh, from the midfield. And you have that with Ericsson. You have that as a very particular type of player that enjoys playing frugally. We talk about Atleti a lot, but it's a very Atleti type of setup where, yeah, you know, to me, where, where, you, where you, you can sit deep because you know that you have the quality of pass on the break because it's all about the passing on the break. We saw some amazing counterattack actually this weekend, actually over at Napoli as well. We saw some amazing counterattack mm. where the beauty of having a pass like Ericsson means you can play this game where you absorb so much pressure because you know that he can launch someone. Like he's going to connect and you can almost play this thing of like, it doesn't matter really what your pass completion is like too much because it's the crucial passes that that Mm. makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And also all of the goals were lovely. Yes, they really were. They were like, yeah, they were like training ground goals. They were really, in fact, I think my favourite was probably Janel's second goal. His first was wild as well. Yeah, but the second goal, the pass from Tony was so good. And that 10 minute spell for Brentford they were absolutely unbelievable. Like, just unbelievable. And then yeah. they were fine after that. They just sat again, absorbed, and then that one at the end, which kind of came from a little bit from a, a, Rudiger, a Rudiger error. Yes. He was under a lot of pressure. He, w- he looked more forced out of his rhythm than I've seen in a long time. Mm. And another rare error, I think, from a Chelsea point of view was the decision-making of N'Golo Kante for Ericsson's goal, actually. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. If you look at Kante, he's kind of jockeying Ericsson mm. and he's just covering that space in the middle. And he all of a sudden makes a decision to close the ball. Whereas I actually think he probably would have done a better job just staying put and covering the centre off. See, that's as soon interesting. as he steps out, yeah. the pass is on. But that's interesting because that also speaks to underestimating Ericsson's goal scoring threat. Yeah. And a, and a key part of Ericsson's return is the goals. This is the thing. He's not scoring garnish goals. Like he's not, sco- he, he's scoring goals that matter. This is the really, yeah. really interesting thing about what he's done so far, his contribution. And, He's got a nose for it. Mm. And it's funny because it takes me back, like going old school to like those days when everyone was raving about Christian Eriksen, Ajax and Victor Fischer as well, to a lesser extent. And I was like, and I was like, oh yeah, they're really that good. And I finally saw Eriksen at Ajax. And I was just like, this guy is going to. Yeah, he's legit. Like wherever he went, wherever he went, he would do what he's doing. So yeah, really, yeah. really happy for him and, and for Brentford in particular. A quick shout out for Leeds 1, Southampton 1. We had an email from Nick Vasicek. Hope I've pronounced that right, Nick. Nick said, hey guys, the instant Carl Walker-Peters went down on the corner of the box versus Leeds, we knew what was coming. James Ward-Prowse, top bin, done. On the replay though, I realised how inevitable it was. In the last replay, you can see an older Leeds fan shaking his finger towards the top corner and a very upset look on his face. (laughs) (laughs) He knew what was was coming, just like we all did. That being (laughs) said, what are the most inevitable other skills in world football? Trent Alexander-Arnold crosses? Thank you. Thanks, guys, and keep it up. Thanks, Nick. I love, I love that, and I love that question about what the most inevitable skills. I love that. The most inevitable skills in football 
We no longer see them, but it was the Iron Robin cut inside. You've seen him do this every single time. And when will defenders learn just to try and show him on his right? Can I name actually the most inevitable in football still? I think it's the bus gets no look pass. Interesting. The ang- it's the bus gets no look pass to play the ball five yards forward. And there's always the same look on the, def- on the, on the other midfielder's face going, how has he got me again? It's like, yeah. it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's been 14 years. What are you doing? <laughs> Do you know what I think will be um, <laughs> the most inevitable skill in years to come? And I think we, we saw a glimpse of it this weekend and we'll talk about it. It's the Pedri sit down. Oh my God, yes. Okay, we're going to talk, we'll talk about, this. about Save it yes. because we're going to talk about this later. Can I, but my favourite. I, think that, yeah. I th- that is my shout for, for being the next inevitable skill that we'll uh, see in world football. Idea for an advert two players playing in like youth football all the way up and like one is like Busquets or Pedri and one's the other guy and they played from the age of six, seven and the same skill keeps getting them. Like, and then like they're old men playing in the park and he's like 70 and he's, the drag back is still working. It's, it's been 65 years. <laughs> that just, that's really interesting. When you said an advert, the first thing that came to my mind was Ikea. Pedri dribbling a football around in Ikea Every time he sits someone down, there's an Ikea chair there. And as they sit down, it pings up with the model and the price. Oh my God, that's so... And he could just go around the whole of Ikea. Do you know why that's so amazing? Because Pedri absolutely shops in Ikea for himself. And yeah, of course he does. Of course he does. Oh, Pedri, could you just pick up some stuff? Oh, of course, of course. You know, he's so busy. Pedri is like doing tasks. The thing I love about Pedri is... is if you give Pedri loves flat pack furniture. Of course, of course. Pedri loves tasks he just loves tasks he's the he's the tasks Dude, guy he played about 800 games last year do you think he has time to put any flat pack of course of course, of course he does maybe that's actually why he looks so exhausted in the olympics because he put together about nine calaxes before he had <laughs> there's, an, there's an amazing photo of pedri and gavi together which i saw and I, I, it sums them up so well someone said what i love about gavi is that he comes on the pitch and he's looking for the ball and looking for a fight yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this picture is incredible, right? I'll send it to you afterwards. It's like, it's a picture of Pedri, and Pedri's, Gavi's eyes, Gavi is it's in the, playing for Spain. He's, he's a naughty he's, young man, Gavi. Gavi is looking for a fight, yep. and Pedri's eyes are looking for more tasks. It's like, it's perfect. <laughs> oh, incredible. Yeah, we'll talk about that Pedri goal a little bit later. But yeah, it's um, amazing. Elsewhere in the Premier League, big shout out to Spurs. Spurs were so good they were. in the second half of this game, uh, beating Newcastle 5 1. Mm. After being a goal down, that is Conte intensity. They're looking good. No side in the Premier League has scored more goals since the turn of the year, I believe. And all of Conte's chat about trying to like whip things up, it's just, maybe that's just part of the process. Telling everyone how shit his squad was. <laughs> but we never believed that. We never believed that. Yeah, we never believed that. We liked Kulisevsky and I Bentancur loved, loved as, them. as signings. Loved them. This top four running is going to be really interesting because that Chelsea result has kind of really thrown it into right. a little bit of a... I was going to say, Chelsea, no guarantees. No guarantees. No guarantees. Uh, West Ham beating Everton 2-1 on Sunday. And uh, it's as you were at the top. Liverpool beating Watford 2-0 on Saturday. Manchester City beating Burnley 2-0. It's Manchester City-Liverpool next week. They're separated by a point at the Etihad, just like they were this time, what, two years ago, three years ago when they played in the same fixture. Wow. Small game. I'm so hyped, I'm so hyped about that game. <laughs> Shouts to Wolves beating Villa 2-1. Feel a little bit up and down at the moment. Manchester United won, Leicester won. Mm. Absolutely fair, I think. Manchester United just couldn't really execute. And mm. if anything, Leicester were good value for a win, if they got the win. Yeah. 
Yeah, that goal got disallowed, and I think rightly so. At first, I couldn't figure out what had happened. Mm. And then on the replay, I was just like, oh, yeah. I'm just happy for James Madison in general because he's been decisive again. Um, yeah. He struggled for a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Quickly, before we go to the continent, let's shout out the old firm derby because Celtic getting the better of Rangers at Ibrox this weekend, uh, winning 2-1 to extend their lead at the top to... Six points. Wild start too. The beginning of this game was absolute carnage. I mean, it's an all-time derby. What do you yeah. expect? It's just like, you knew what this was. Yes. <laughs> Aaron Ramsey opening the scoring. Very nice finish. Very Rakitic-style run. Ghosting into space. Rogic equalising for Celtic after seven minutes. And then Carter Vickers, two minutes before half-time. I know we don't cover Scottish football a huge amount on this show, but... Anyone in the world who doesn't watch the Old Firm Derby, make sure you do every time it's on. You're missing out, yeah, yeah. It is an absolute must-watch fixture. And actually, it's, not, it's still on my bucket list for games to go to, Old Firm Derby. Just the atmosphere, right? Oh, it's so loud. It's so loud. <laughs> you just can't hear the commentary for a lot of it. It's so, so loud. Mm. But yeah, after Rangers winning the title last season, it looks like it's Celtics to lose now. Six points. That's a lot to overhaul with just... What a few games remaining now. Shall we take a quick break? Let's do it. All right, man, where do you want to begin? Derby Italia. We have to, I suppose. This whole game boiled down to eight and a half minutes, really? Well, uh, I, I, I think the, the first half... Put it this way. Yeah. What I mean, what I mean yeah. by that is that eight and a half minutes, so good, and barely a ball was kicked. Oh God. From the moment that the penalty is warded on, yeah, Dumfries going into the box and VAR, he got, he got taken down. It went to VAR. Did you think it was a penalty? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, on the commentary I was watching, they couldn't seem to make up their mind, which was interesting. Chalinolu walks up to take the penalty, saved by Chesney. Not the best penalty, I have to say. Not the best penalty, but still a very good save, I would say. So I, when the, the goal goes in, it's deflection. It comes, comes back out. Comes back out. Chalinoli goes in for it. Yeah. One of the um, Juventus defenders gets there first and it cans off another into the top corner. And I think the pers- there's, a de- there's a Juve defender who goes down, but they've been taken out by, by one of their own players. players. Right. So I thought yeah. it's an own goal. I'm like, this is an own goal. Yeah. And it gets pulled back for encroaching. Well, no. What happens before that is that the referee awards a foul, a, f- a free kick to Juve. Yes. Chesney is off, right. kicking the hoardings, giving it the fucking, <laughs> come on. <laughs> and then... Play acting. <laughs> there was just so, there are so many people around the ref for so long. Everyone's angry. Everyone's pushing. So many hand gestures. And then it goes to VAR again. And there is a, Juve player encroaching. Correct decision, right? But to be honest, it didn't need to be retaken. It should have just been given as a goal. Right, exactly. Exactly. I haven't seen that many people, and you pointed this out, I think, I haven't seen that many people this angry in football since Messi won his last Ballon d'Or. But yeah, people were so angry. And I, I saw this and I just thought that that to me was just a goal. Like, why did you just allow that as an own goal? Like, that's a Juventus own goal to me. And it would have been completely in keeping with the chaotic nature of that first half. Yeah. Chiellini this, hitting, I mean, just to wrap up on that, Chalinolu then puts the, the penalty the same way. And rips it. Here's the thing. Yeah. He hits it. Better second time round. He's like he got his eye in the yeah. first time. Hypersonic speed. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of Sadio Mane in the uh, AFCON final. 
Mm. First penalty, second penalty. First penalty didn't have the intensity. Second one was like hypersonic, like gone. Ripped it right into the, the bottom corner pocket, the left-hand pocket of the net. But so in terms of this first half, just wild. Like, as you say, Chiellini, Third somehow minute. scooping out the ball from under the intercrossbar. I think it was, I'd say at best, it was 45 centimetres out. Did I think, I think happened. I think he got very late sight of it. I don't. Oh I th- no, I'm not blaming Keely yeah. at all. It was just one of those like freak yeah. ricochets off him. How is this in the bar? Hits right, the bar. Right, it's right. kind of like, what the hell? How has that not happened? gone in? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Juventus starting extremely having, well. Actually, having, read, having now watched that first episode of Moonlight, though, I do have a theory. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's just like, no. Out of body spirit. You cannot. You, <laughs> you leave this you to fool, us. You fool. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, Watching um, Juventus in this half, one thing that really struck out to me, stuck out to me was Dusan Vlajevic's present, stage presence, wow. whatever you call it, is unbelievable. The ability of this man to dominate mm. the entire back line. Like, him and Morata aren't that difficult in physical stature. But the way that Dusan Vlajevic moves, there's a golden age for Serie A number nines. You have Osimen, you have Tammy Abraham, to a slightly lesser extent, and Vlajevic is kind of the peak of that. But these number nines that can literally just go solo against two or three centre-backs and have them legitimately stressed out. It's unreal. Yeah, I mean, the early signs of that Vlaovic signing are so good. And the thing that I really like about Vlaovic is that he seems to have just taken to this team straight away. Like, he's giving it to teammates when, as in, like, giving shit to teammates when he knows that he's an option and they don't mm. give it. Like, he absolutely berated Dybala for one, one during this game. Yeah. Um, and with obviously, it looks like Dybala will go in the summer, and then it's going to kind of be Vlaovic's front line. Can I say this as well? It looks like it's also going to be Zachary's midfield. Oh my God, that this, one that he hit the post. There is a dummy that this man put on Skriniar. Skriniar is not a clown. No. Skriniar is not a clown. He made this man spin in a, he put this man in a spin cycle. The dummy he put on Skriniar is absolutely sensational. Surges through the midfield. It was like he took. It was like he took him to the fairground, stuck him in the teacups, and stood there waving at him as he, as he going <laughs> yeah. round and round and round. It's like, did you have fun? Skriniar's just like, no, not really. I didn't really have a good time. Watching the highlights of the game the next day to be like, oh, that's where he got to. Zachary is there filming him. You have fun? <laughs> Wave. Oh yeah, there's two two very good signings for Juventus. But you made doing that thing again where it's like, how have they got these players uncontested? I know. <laughs> well, I, I, to be honest, I think the 75 million euro fee for, for Vlaovic was a big part of that. That's interesting. I think with Zakaria. The injuries. Yeah, maybe. And also just his, his contract was up as well at the end of the season, wasn't it? So I think it was just a let's go kind of thing. Let's move on this. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Anyway, Inter won the game. Favourite moment of this? Seeing the 53rd minute clock up at the end of the first half. Oh, what a sight. What a sight. I love that. That oh, Super Bowl. That was a really important win for Inter, by the way, in the, in the race for top four. Well, not so much the top four, but the top three slash title race because they were only a point ahead of Juve at that point. They're now four points in front. Game in hand on Napoli, who beat Atalanta, I'm sure we'll talk about that in a sec. Superior goal difference and three points behind. And they're just three points behind Milan as well at the top. It's still, it's still tight, man. It's, I don't think it's... Very tight. And then you've got on the outside lurking, waiting for someone 
to give it a little bit of Prosecco to pounce. <laughs> you got Roma only don't, five points behind Juve. Don't start. <laughs> Do you know, actually, can I say this about, um, very quickly on Napoli's win over Atalanta, one yes. of their most impressive wins of the season. AKA, listen, the Derby della Arquanga. Now listen, all my interests, <laughs> all my vitamins. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, Napoli Atalanta is the Derby della Arquanga. It's my happy place. So look, yeah. the thing about this win for Napoli, it's one of the most impressive wins of the season. Um, they did it without Victor Osimhen, who'd mm. been on World Cup qualified duty. And they did it with, you know, we, I said this before, if Napoli have to trust the younger, the supporting cast to get it done, and they got it done. And that, you know, the, the symbol of that was Lozano and um, Elmas breaking late on. But the beauty of this game was it really felt like a kind of passing of the torch because you had Insigne running things at the start uh, mm. with his early penalty. Um, and then his assist as well, a gorgeous goal um, by Politano, who's got like one of the best strikes in the game. And just really impressive to put Atlanta away because one criticism I've had of Napoli this year and many others have had is that this is the inability to win the games against sort of other contenders. We saw them lose 1-0 to, to Milan, which could still be a decisive result. But mm. I was really impressed by their resilience here and their ability to absorb pressure for you know, sustained periods against Atalanta who really went at them. So yeah, shout out to Napoli for a great win. Absolutely. One thing as well, one other thing in Serie I want to mention as well, Nico Gonzalez getting the goal for Fiorentina. Uh, they won 0-1 over Empoli because I'm looking at, at um, Argentina's squad in terms of who can give Messi attacking support in that World Cup. And he is someone that really will show up, I think. Very hardworking, decisive finisher, someone worth taking a look at. It's funny because I was having a look at his profile over the weekend and then he scores the winner against Empoli and I was like, ah, that's an interesting footballer to watch. That is an interesting footballer. No high accolade. <laughs> Look at the analysis in that, everyone. Listen, world class. Do you know what I think, everyone? I think that is an interesting footballer. <laughs> Can I just say my, my favourite piece of football commentary is still Barry Davies. When he's like, interesting. interesting? Very, very interesting. interesting. <laughs> you know what's interesting? Very interesting. What's that? La Liga's top four. Oh my goodness. Second, third and fourth are now all on 57 points. Barcelona beating Sevilla Sunday night after Atleti had uh, beaten Alaves 4-1 on nah. Saturday. Jao Felix with two goals and he's playing extremely well at the moment. He's in his bag, as the kids would say. He is very much in, in his bag. And Karim Benzema, two penalties, gave Real Madrid a 2-1 win away at Celta Vigo. But yes, Sunday night. This was a really good game, I thought. Barcelona against Sevilla. Yes, really good. It was a really fun game. It was absolutely valid to say Barcelona were back in, in the Classico, but I think mm. this was almost like a, like cemented it mm. in a weird way. Yeah, yeah, very fair. Because this is a good Sevilla side. Yes, and very good. the way that Barcelona moved the ball around, I was like, this looks like 2015, 2016. 2015 is the perfect analogy. Yeah. yeah, this is the vibe. It's a tight win. It's a narrow win, but it was it was won by an absolute wonder goal. Pedri's goal could have been a messy winner against Sevilla in 2015-16. On this Barcelona game, and I share, I share your thoughts on this, I love the 2015 uh, analogy because the thing about 2011 Barca, peak pep, was that it was all about match control. Mm. And 2015 sacrificed a little bit of match control for directness. And actually, yeah, if you look at the possession breakdown, 55% against for, yeah. to 45% for Sevilla. I love that. And what was so striking about this game was there was two things in particular. First, I mean, obviously, Usman Dembele was 
he is playing so well at the moment. Supernatural. So well. I hope he stays. I really hope he stays. The other thing that was really striking, the quality of the pressing by Aubameyang, to the point where I started expressing concern at my like laptop when I was watching on DAZN. I was watching going, Sevilla playing out from the back and I was like, I was literally thinking, oh, you don't want to try that. <laughs> like I was expressing polite concern for their safety. He looked at the screen and was like, who's that pressing? And he just went all Kenneth Branner in Dunkirk. <laughs> yes, I- just put, moves to put his binoculars on and someone just said, what can you see? And he just got emotional and went, Obama Yang. <laughs> <laughs> Musa emotional at the Aubameyang press. <laughs> it was absolutely the Aubameyang press actually was a Oba. sign. Oba. Oba. My beautiful you know how boy. he says home. <laughs> so close. What is? Oba. The press. <laughs> it was this thing, but that is the symbol, the symbol of what Xavi has done to this Barcelona team. The ability of Dembele is it's the decision making as well. It's not just the beating mm. the men, it's, it's the decision making, Ryan. And the only thing with this game is he, there was he looks a, a different player, man. He does. And the thing about this game is um, Barcelona fans may be a bit concerned about some of the finishing by Ferran Torres. And I've said this before, the goals are going to come because he's doing everything else. The performance yeah. that he put in, and this thing I love about what Xavi's doing, it's not just the, 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 top, the starting team, but it's the subs that he makes. Mm. Knowing when to bring in Gavi, <laughs> not only to pick fights, but when to like retain control, match control. Yeah, it was a great sub. Really great, and just just so many elements of this game. Like it, it really is just the finishing with Barcelona. This could easily have been three nil. It oh, should, for it sure. should have, yeah, it yeah, should yeah. have been actually. It I mean, their XG was like two point two two. Yeah, so, that's that's I mean, about. It feels about right. Yeah, yeah it feels about right. Yeah. But they they really should have scored more. And one of my one of my favorite moments in this game was Gerard Piquet nicking the ball back, almost like an advanced Gerard Piquet, basically channeling his Dennis Zakaria, won the ball back just outside Sevilla box, and then hitting a long shot. For the corner, <laughs> I was just like, "Oh, put him in midfield! Put him in midfield!" <laughs> One of my 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 genuine wishes before this man retires is to see him. I don't want to. I don't. I don't. I don't want to sound like I'm throwing shade at MLS. So please, but this it would kind of would only really work in that kind of league because it would be one of the only leagues that would give Gerard Piquet the Top leeway. Lunch. Yes, exactly. Gerard Piquet winning the ball back and just. Going on a run and passing to absolutely nobody. I want to see like, style. I want to see Ch- Chikorito screaming at him for LA Galaxy and being like, "Gerard, Gerard, Gerard, Gerard," and PK's just wagging his finger as he's doing stepovers, and then he <laughs> hey, <laughs> and then just pings one top corner. That's what I want to see. I want to see Gerard PK total football. He's absolutely. Have you seen him play futsal? You've seen him play futsal. Like, I have. Yeah, and the he's amazing. Of, he's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. He loves it, and he gets really excited when he's allowed to go forward. You're yeah. like, yeah, yeah. But um, All right. actually, on we that, need to talk about the goal. We do because um, Pedri did it again. Now, okay, here's the thing about that goal. So it was absolutely astonishing, and it's very symbolic. The first dummy. So he gets the ball into the box from Dembele. Beautiful ball, cut back. Mm. This gorgeous diagonal, cuts it back just across, and just you know the kind of pass that I would say sets the table. So Dembele finding Pedri in so much space, their understanding, their dynamic, their nihilism and their chemistry is amazing. He receives the ball, I would say 25 yards out and steps forward, maybe a yard. And it's very symbolic that the first player that Pedri passes with the dummy is Rakitic. He just sells this gorgeous dummy, shapes the shoot, cuts it back. And the second dummy is so good, it fools the actual commentator. That is what I love so much about it. He's like, ah, oh, shapes the shoot, looking for space. He's going to shoot. No, he dummies 
everyone. Second dummy shifts onto the right foot and then hammers the diagonals like a Lothar Mateus type finish, right to left, bottom left hand corner. And there was talk, someone wrote to me afterwards and goes, oh, like this is instinct from Pedro. I said, no, it's not actually. Pedri broke that space open deliberately. He knew exactly what he was doing. He did it against Galatasaray. It's the same kind of finish. When he cuts in, I think Ferran Torres plays him against Galatasaray and he's in the box and he, he dummies it twice because he goes across the box and back across the keeper. Like he knows what he's doing. It's not oh, something. Yeah, you don't watch Pedri and think. You know, there's, there's a limited number of players, we've said in world football, who can run at a defence and improvise. Mm. There's also a limited number that can run at a defence and dismantle it on the fly and be like, I'm looking for this particular gap. There is no way in hell that Pedri was going to shoot after the first dummy. He was like, the angle's not wide enough. He was, he was too central. He's like, if I shoot from here, the keeper's going to get across to it. I have to go wider and come back. And that was like, he'd planned that almost from the moment he took possession. That's why he is, he is the elite. Like the, we talk about players whose peak is nowhere in sight. Pedri is absolutely one of those few players. Oh, 100%. 100%. I, ca- I cannot think of the words to describe fully how much I, I love this footballer. I just can't. I just can't. And, and it, the thing is, without, without doing the kind of like, we, we, we said it, we said it. Like, it was so apparent the moment he stepped on the Barcelona pitch for the first time. It was just like, whoa, this kid's good. And we've seen many, many, many footballers step onto the scene and be like, wow, these, these kids are good. But you're always never too sure. And there's some, there was something about, there's, there, there is something, and there has always been something about Pedri that just is like so legit, it's almost inevitable. It's just right, inevitable. Right. For someone so diminutive, mm. he's a footballing giant. It's just his presence. It's, 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 it's wild. There are a few players where it feels like a genuine honour to watch their journey. In real time, yeah. In real time. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it, if you're using Barcelona as an example, it happened with Iniesta, it happened with Xavi, it happened with Messi. And you're, I, I think you're seeing a similar thing with Gavi, but I think Gavi is, these two, I was thinking about this, these two are going to have the Pacino De Niro treatment, the Iniesta-Javi treatment for their yeah. whole career if they stay together. They will, yeah. You know, it's going to be impossible to refer to one without the other. And to be honest, I don't think either of them will actually hate that because one no. of the beauties of that, those kind of situations is that it removes the individual pressure on both. Yes. You know, if, if, if there had been no Iniesta, the pressure on Javi would have almost, I think, been too great and vice versa. But the, out, the outrageous thing is they're better than Javi. I can't believe I'm saying they're, this. Yeah, they're better than Javi and Iniesta were at well, that age. And 100%. I can't believe I'm saying yeah. this. But do you know what? Yeah. That, that's one of the coolest takes I've ever right, heard you right. say. <laughs> this is a horrible analogy and I, 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 I hesitate to say it, but I feel I have to say it. You know, like there's a speed that toddlers have when you stop watching them. Like, so if you have a toddler next to you and you stop watching them for a split second, they'll be literally They're gone. out of the door. Yeah, I have no idea how to do it. <laughs> they'll be, they'll if- be half up the drive. When Gavi played against um, Italy <laughs> in the Nations League, there was a moment when Chiromani stopped watching Gavi, right? He just looked away mm-hmm. for a split second and he was... Gone. He's gone. You saw the you know, panic. Honestly, it's really funny you said this because I visited my cousin a couple of weeks ago and she's got a, a one-year-old who's just learned how to crawl. Yeah. My God. <laughs> my <Speed>. God. <laughs> What's so funny about Gavi and Pedri is that, you know, like so often with siblings who are really close, there's like one that's naughty and one's the enabler. 
that's the well-behaved one, but actually loves hearing all the stories. Oh, like Pedri, like, that's, you know, butter with milk. He's yeah. like, oh, Gabby, what did he get up to? But Pedri's like, like the model student and Gabby's like the naughty scrappy one who's always got dirty clothes. Pedri's already talking about how, you know, pleased he is that Gabby's getting a run in the side and that, you know, how, how much potential he's got. And I'm like, bro, you're 19. <laughs> yes, Sally. <laughs> you're 19. But it's, we're so lucky, I think, in this time of like, that there's a lot going on, right? But we're really lucky to have those 90 minutes where we can just watch Gabby and Pedri and just kind of go to a different place. I'm yeah, really grateful. And yeah. I've said this before with Barca, like Chavis Barca, like they really are a kind of rather like, you know, Femeni. And this is what I, I, I love that Gavi, I love, I love, I love that Chavi paid tribute to Femeni, Barca Femeni, and really saying like, they've carried the spirit of the club. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just, it's great to see the, the women's team and the men's team both playing. And screw what's happening in the league to Barca men. It's really great to see these two teams playing with identity again. Well, you say screws what's happening to Barca men. They're second in the league. They're second. They're second in the league. And, but for a couple of rail results that could have gone the other way, should have gone the other way, they'd be even closer. I mean... But they win their, do you know what? They win their game in hand. They're nine points per round, Real. It's incredible that this is even a conversation. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, quickly, just going to the women's Primera. Uh, Barcelona beating Villarreal 6-1. However, Villarreal were 1-0 up after 12 minutes thanks to Salma Paraluelo's unbelievable goal where she kind of does this little like, not Cruyff turn, but kind of like drag back, flick through the legs, does mm. two Barcelona defenders and then pings it in the top corner from however long, however far out. Reminded me of the Vedermeyer goal. Joel Vedermeyer for Wolfsburg against uh, Eintracht Frankfurt last year. Yes. Similar. Oh like, yeah. But yeah. Like from the, it was like a mirror it, from the opposite. Yeah. Side. It was exactly yeah. oh the, the way the way the ball moves and yeah, the ball, and I, the ball is basically like, it, it changes, it moves about what, like five, how many oh my feet? God. Oh my God. It was just yeah. amazing. Like there's a, I can't remember who it was, but there's a VRL player who stood in the box just with her hands on the head. <laughs> She's just like, what the hell have I just seen? One of my favorite things is player reactions. Yeah. Shouts to Ahmed Shubal, who, responded, I posted the video on, on Twitter on Saturday and he just responded saying, as soon as I saw the gloves, I knew there'd be a madness. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, can't remember, I can't remember who responded, but someone just replied to him just saying, you know ball. <laughs> I love that so much. I love that so <laughs> Hey, Armour's however, a great, great writer as well. Great writer. Armour's a great writer. Covers yeah, Bournemouth yeah. and the Athletic. Yeah. Uh, however, oh dear. The joys of being able to bring on Claudia Pino at halftime. Goodness. Three minutes later, she's got two and she's put Barcelona back in front. Less than 20 minutes after she's come on at halftime, she's got a hat trick. Barcelona ended up winning the game 6-1. Miles out. Obviously, they've already clinched the league. Just quickly, though, in France, PSG drew with Paris in the Paris derby. Mm. Um, and Lyon won to extend their lead at the top. Quickly, Crown Bundesliga, in the, there was a top of the table clash. Bayern still heavily hit by injuries and COVID. Lost 6-0 to Wolfsburg in Wolfsburg, but did okay for like the first, what, 20 minutes, half an hour? Ah, charitable. Do you know, do you know what it is? Do you know what it is? I think the problem with this was they did, they did okay. Yes, absolutely. They carved some decent opportunities, but the problem here is, and we have to, I'm glad we've mentioned this in brief and not really gone in on it because I think that does justice to COVID injuries and fatigue. It's not just the fact that Bayern had players missing through COVID and injury. Is that even the players they brought back had to carry an unusual burden just because the squad is stretched. They pushed PSG really far in the Champions League in a tie they should have won. Took a, that took a lot. And they went to extra time as well. In that they game, looked tired, yeah. Ryan. They, they looked, looked extremely tired. tired yeah. The problem is with this, this Wolfsburg team as well, there were six different scorers. 
which is a big problem for Barcelona who faced them in the Champions League because this team can hurt you from many places. Mm. Sven Yehut was outstanding. Again, Vasmid got a gorgeous goal. Jill Roard is very difficult to pick up in that hole. And then Oberdorf and Pop in that sort of midfield access is just so brutal. Like the match control that they, bo- they, both, um, they both scored and they both enjoyed like just the dominance there. And a midfield, a by midfield that had looked really strong against PSG was just absolutely overwhelmed time yeah. again. I mean, Wolfsburg I, are good, man. Wolfsburg they're really good. good, but I want to say one, one quick shout here for Jons Dottier on the oh. flank. This is an elite, I think she's 20. So next year, they're going to have Jons Dottier on one flank and Brand on the other, Wolfsburg. Those are two of the best young attackers in world football. Brandt is the only player I've seen really rattle um, Barcelona in, in an attacking sense, the Champions League in terms of her movement. And Jans Lottier, just the footwork, like mm. just an unbelievable footballer, speed, directness, um, technical ability. So yeah, but Wolfsburg, very good value for that win. And that looks like... Four points clear, three games left. They should yeah. close that out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Bayern, obviously second. And uh, Turbina Potsdam, third. It'd be amazing to see Turbina Potsdam back in the Champions League. One of the German giants in women's football. Um, in the men's Bundesliga... The stadiums were full. The ultras were back for the first time since before the pandemic. Ultras were back in the stadiums, in the Bundesliga. It was all a little bit too much for some people. Domenico Tedesco, after the game, said, uh, you know, this was, this was quite strange for the Dortmund players even. Many Dortmund players haven't experienced an atmosphere like this in the stadium before. Mm, that's interesting. Uh, Leipzig beating Dortmund 4-1 at the Westfalen Stadion. Dortmund were good at the beginning. Actually, they should have been ahead, basically. They, had, mm. they broke a couple of times, had a couple of chances, should have taken the lead, a couple of unforced errors. Leipzig capitalised on them, get two goals in front, and then just tactically did really, really well to, to see the game out and put another couple of goals past Dortmund in the second half. Big win for Leipzig, that, because Freiburg losing to Bayern. They've got a three-point gap now on Freiburg for that final Champions League spot. Bayern, by the way, who uh, for 17 seconds had 12 players on the pitch. Absolutely wild. <laughs> <laughs> because Kingsley Coman's old squad number went up instead of his new one. And so he didn't leave the field. And uh, mm. then they realised after 17 seconds or so, and uh, they were like, oh shit, we've got, we've got 12 players on the pitch. <laughs> it's a conspiracy. Um, Bayern were already 3-1 up. Christian Strike after the game was kind of like, that's one for the authorities, not for me. Yeah, yeah. I love Christian Strike. Can I say this as well? There's one note on Bayern that's extremely important that I haven't seen covered in mainstream media and I'm disappointed because the mainstream's not big up with this again. The fact that Canabri and Sané both have afros is extremely interesting because when's the last time we had two elite wingers both throwed up like that? Afro Canabri, I'm a big fan. <laughs> afro Canabri, yeah. Afro Sané, big fan of that. I just want Leroy Sané to really, really try and grow a proper moustache. He needs to do the like, do it properly. Because yep. then you'd have two Afro wingers with moustaches. Full 1970s, exactly. Ha! Walk on the pitch to like Isaac oh, Hayes, Truck Turner. Disco ah, Bayern, ah, man. Ah, 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 ah. Disco Bayern. Uh, uh. <laughs> have a disco ball above the Allianz. <laughs> yeah, get rid of the spider cam or put the spider cam in a disco the disco ball. ball. <laughs> oh my Fla- God. Wearing, Bayern wearing flared shorts next season. <laughs> I think they now have like the can-can music when they score as the goal music at Bayern. But I, from next season, I want the spider cam in a disco ball. And if Bayern score, I just want the OJs to come out. 
Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I love Bayern. <laughs> That's the goal music. That should be it. I it want it. Be. Uh, obviously, any player with a mustache instantly becomes at least 17% better. In all true. attributes. It's facts. They should have that on FIFA as a FIFA unlock code. It should. You can put a mustache on your player and it gives them an attribute boost. <laughs> the stats, yeah. Like <laughs> EA Sports, I'm available for consultation if you would like. Absolutely. Any ideas on gameplay and I'm tweaks? Available for, I'm available for free merch. Yes. Yeah, yeah we are. Uh, do we need to cover anything else today? Have we got no, everything? I think we're good. We're good. I felt fun. Felt fun and breezy. Lots of fun, yeah. Uh, don't forget, we'll cover all of the Champions League games on Thursday. Uh, Wright's house on Wednesday, but we're recording Tuesday, so it'll be Arsenal, uh, sorry, Palace against Arsenal. Some flowers for a couple of players and some other bits on Wright's house. But it'll go up Wednesday. Uh, other than that, we hope everyone's staying safe, staying well, hanging in there. Get their backs if you can, get their boost if you can. Sorry. Don't forget to check the Stadio Outro's playlist on Spotify. Speaking of which, playing out on Lady Pimp by Solitary Dancer. I think there's anything else to shout out, Musa. Is there anything else to shout out? No, we're all good, I think. All Are you good. sure? Yeah, yeah. Have you written any books recently? Have you got no, no books recently. No. No? <laughs> nothing to declare. Are you sure you don't want to add anything? No, nothing to add. Are you sure? Yes, absolutely. Nothing? <laughs> nothing at all. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Hansightment. You're trying to get me to... <laughs> Drop a hot take. I'm not doing anything. What a loser. All right then, everyone. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Much love. We'll be back on Thursday. See you then.